Well, it's Father's Day. And you may be asking yourself what kind of bright idea I had to choose a scripture passage that talks of dividing families and that loving father and mother, son or daughter more than Jesus is a deal breaker. What was I thinking? Some celebration we're going to have today, huh? I used to hate this passage. It was one of those that unsettled me because it's hard to understand. And so I would simply skip over it or reject it altogether. When I was reminded of it, I would laugh uncomfortably or scratch my head in confusion, not knowing how to take Jesus' words. Why would Jesus condone such divisions even within our own families? When we only think of Jesus as a peacemaker... When we think of the cross as defeat, as the way of being some sort of cosmic doormat, well, then I think we've missed the point entirely. If that were indeed the case, why would Jesus say in verse 34, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Quite frankly, This passage is severely troubling and interrupts our notion of the hippie skippy Jesus wearing a tie-dyed shirt, flashing a smile and a peace sign, urging everyone to just love, man. Jesus here is talking of real shame and fear, courage in the face of death threats and the cross, which is an instrument of death. It's a call to action in the face of all this. And if we don't hear the call, or if we can't hear the call, then we're likely to misunderstand the entire message. A few years ago, it became pretty fashionable to reject the cross as an object of jewelry fashion. It was all the talk to say that we've moved beyond this symbol of our Christian faith. Instead of the cross around our necks, well, we really should just opt for a heart or maybe a dove, they said. We can no longer support the Christian who wears the cross, the emblem of torture and death, on a gold chain around her neck. No problem, they all said. You're right. Why would we want to be reminded of this blight in our history? Put the crosses away. How embarrassing they are. We cannot and will not support a God who allows such violence. God is love. Shut the crosses in the drawer and put them away. I'm thinking that this camp probably didn't care for the Matthew 10 passage that we read today either. Jesus must have been a jokester, right? We know that later in his ministry... It was clear that his disciples were always fumbling and misstepping and often misunderstanding. Sometimes I wonder if he didn't have a little fun with their always being so clueless. But our chapter today, coming from Jesus, is particularly head-scratching to me. He's called together the twelve to send them out at the beginning of the ministry. 
If a couple weeks ago we likened the Great Commission to the benediction of a worship service, then I think our passage today would be his commissioning sermon. Now remember, a commission is the doing of something. It's an action-oriented proclamation. So Jesus is sending them out with instructions. In verse 7, he says, As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And then we skip on down several verses of practical advice to reach our text for today. Proclaim the good news that the kingdom of heaven has come near, but... And there's always a but, isn't there? I love you, but go clean your room. You did great, but you could have worked a little bit harder. You are so helpful, but I really just want to do it my way. Proclaim the good news, but they're going to hate you because of me. But have no fear of them. But... This will divide even your own households. But you must take up the cross. And then they all put their hands in the center. On one, three, two, one, discipleship. And that's exactly how my sermons affect you, right? Ready to go out. (laughs) Jesus is instructing them before he sends them out. And do you know what he says to them? You must take up the cross. You must take up the cross. The way of the cross is a long way from inaction. It is a life of action. Whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Take up and follow. These are action verbs. And Jesus says, it ain't pretty, but therein is life. And now, maybe you too get my confusion with this passage. We cannot take the crosses off of our necks, figuratively speaking. Because if we do, we miss the message entirely. The cross is the heart of the matter. I did some research somewhat extensively on crucifixion in my New Testament class at Carson Newman. I know, pretty morbid, right? Sometimes I question my, even question my own choices. But there is very little, it's very interesting, because there is very little archaeological evidence that we have available from victims who died by crucifixion. It was a practice of capital punishment that was commonly used by the authorities of Rome up until the 4th century when Constantine, the emperor who converted to Christianity, abolished the practice entirely. Most often, crucifixion was reserved for slaves or for criminals of the state. It was known as the slave's punishment and was forced on foreigners and the lower class. It was also used for anyone found treasonous or involved in rebellious acts against the government. In such cases, the goal was to dishonor the victim publicly 
so that he would serve as a deterrent for others who might be considering the same involvement. Crucifixion was a particularly inhumane way to die. It was a brutal death, both because victims were frequently tortured before being nailed on the cross, and it was most often a very slow, excruciatingly painful way to die. It was not instantaneous, as we like to think of our capital punishment of today. It's believed that we have such little evidence available to us of crucified victims because in action it was the lowest death. The unmentionables and the rebel rousers were tortured publicly, hung on a cross, and left for dead to be consumed by the area birds or animals or they were pitched somewhere to rot. There was rarely ever a proper burial for someone who had been crucified, and thus no physical evidence was likely to be preserved. Most of what we know of the practice of this form of capital punishment is from the wide record of written accounts, which are wide. Crucifixion was reserved for the lowest of low in Roman times, and these slaves and criminals of the government were condemned to die miserable, inhumane deaths. The cruelty issued from the authorities to the victim was used as public deterrence for anyone who might be considering the same path. Cruelty and torture were the primary goals of the enforcers. Condemning a man to die by way of crucifixion thus manifests the evil within the human soul. The authority of one man over another in such a way is unspeakably frightening. What's interesting about our passage for today is that Jesus is instructing the disciples at the beginning of their ministry, but he is speaking with the knowledge that he will be carrying his cross up the hill to the town center to be condemned, tortured, and killed as a criminal. He knows his fate is the cross, and he is preparing his followers for the same fate. If you do not love me more than father, mother, son, or daughter, you are not worthy of me. If you do not take up the cross and follow me, you are not worthy of me. Just like the ver cross's vertical post planted deep in the ground in the middle of town, so must the symbol be planted at the heart of our identity as followers of Christ, even as it divides us from others and sometimes even from our loved ones. For it is by the cross that we can only truly love as God loves. The way of the cross is not a doormat way of life. No, choosing the cross daily is hard work that is subversive, it's resistant, and it's powerful. The way of the cross keeps that symbol front and center because it says crucifixion manifests the evils within the human soul 
and my ongoing desire to claim my authority over another human. Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets, and number one of the Ten Commandments, the law, is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Our number one God that we put before the Lord God is ourselves. When we make ourselves God with all authority seemingly on heaven, on earth and in heaven, the realities of the human heart are exposed. As we have reflected historically on the practice this morning, crucifixion reminds us that power was redefined as Jesus carried the crossbar of his instrument of death toward Golgotha. We cannot shut our crosses away in a drawer or pawn them for cash because they are not out of fashion. The cross must remain forever before us so that we do not forget where the evils in our own hearts have the potential to take us. If we forget our history, it is destined to repeat itself. I've heard others tell of the emotional toll it takes to visit the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., or the construction camps, concentration camps in Germany. Denying the cross in our Christian history would be like closing the Holocaust Museum and shutting down tours of the gas chambers. We cannot forget those things. We cannot forget. Jesus says, take up the cross and follow me. And if you cannot do this, you are not worthy of me. Human history tells us that if we are not on the side of the cross, then we are on the other. And Jesus' side is carrying that cross while being mocked and beaten which means he was not condoning another man's death. You shall have no other gods before me, namely yourself and your own authority. Take up the cross and follow me. Do not fear them, Jesus says. Follow me. Take up and follow. These are action verbs. Verse 39 says, those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Jesus assures his disciples in his commissioning sermon that the way of the cross is the way to life. Jesus, you mean to tell me that my goals in following you, in trusting you, in taking in your teachings are, number one, to separate me from my loved ones, and number two, death by crucifixion? Jesus, did you ever take a marketing class? You're not really making this whole lifestyle sound very appealing. I tell you what, if I agree to your terms, I'll love you more than everything else, and I'll carry the cross to follow you to Golgotha, then what's in it for me? Because this is sounding like a pretty one-sided deal, Jesus. You'll find your life. If you acknowledge me before others, I will acknowledge you before God. 
Loving me first and taking up the cross and following me will bring you to the source of life and love. Jesus preaches to take up the cross and follow me because the message is the medium. For one man to have authority over another man can become a dangerous thing for the other man. Daily struggling and committing to follow Jesus puts Jesus in the driver's seat and not ourselves. Clearly, as communal history will show us and our own personal histories will show us, we are capable of atrocities beyond comprehension. A life of faith, a life of agreeing to Jesus' claims in the Gospels is a life of marrying our words with our actions. What is the right thing to do today, this moment, this hour? Now go do it. Do not worry about tomorrow. Do not fear those who will kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Harriet Tubman was a devout religious woman who was born into slavery, and she became the mother of the Underground Railroad after being beaten and whipped throughout her childhood by slave masters and eventually suffering a traumatic brain injury when an angry master threw a heavy metal weight at another slave but hit her instead. Prior to the Civil War, she escaped slavery herself, but then made some 13 missions via the Underground Railroad to help nearly 70 of her enslaved family and friends. And they made their way to safety and freedom as well. During the Civil War, she guided an expedition herself, which freed more than 700 slaves. Later in life, she worked tirelessly for women's suffrage, of which we are celebrating this year a hundred years of the passing of that amendment. Take up the cross and follow me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he's a posthumous, influential Christian theologian. He was a Lutheran pastor in Germany during the rise of the Nazi party, and he was a founding member of the Confessing Church which formed after Hitler imposed elections on the old Prussian Union Evangelical Church, and key leadership positions went to Nazi-sanctioned people. In 1933, for example, the Aryan paragraph was passed by that national church, which meant that all pastors and leaders of Jewish descent were removed from their positions. The Confessing Church then emerged from the Pastors' Emergency League that maintained that Christ was head of the church and not Hitler. And surprisingly, at that time, only 20% of German pastors supported the Confessing Church. Bonhoeffer was eventually arrested and he was moved into Flossenburg concentration camp after being accused of involvement in a plot to assassinate Hitler. His convic conviction was swift, of course, and he was hanged by the re regime just two weeks before um, the Americans liberated that camp and three weeks 
before Hitler ended his own life. Take up the cross and follow me. As Jesus is preaching to his disciples before they go out, he is telling them their work is not for the faint of heart. Whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Jesus commissions them to do, but he knows they will be in real danger. Lest we forget, the cross is an instrument of death at the hands of the authorities. So, open your drawer, pull out your jewelry box, and clasp that cross back around your neck before you go out this day and each day to keep that symbol ever before your eyes. Carrying the cross and following Jesus up that hill places us in the best position to remember we are not and never will be or want to be the authorities. Jesus is the authority. And he walked step by deliberate step up that hill to die as the slaves and the criminals died. Because when given this side of the cross or that side, he chose God's side. And, well, we all know what happened. Do this as one without authority, Jesus preaches, and you will live.